Hi, good morning. Good to see you here today. My name's Brad. I'm the youth pastor. I get to share with you a little bit of what God has put into my heart. And I am sure glad that this time I did not have a fever of over 100 <laughs> bringing the message to you. Uh, last message was on worry. And I woke up at 4 a.m. with a fever, high fever. Turns out I had a double inner ear infection. And, uh, and so God was teaching me all about not worrying as well. So uh, I feel free today. I feel healthy and strong and, and able. And my mind is with you here today. So I just feel blessed. Hey, can we pray together to start? Thank you, Lord. Would you just help us? Amen. <laughs> hey, well, it was 10 years ago that I was walking the streets with a gun and a uniform and a badge as I uh, was a police officer in Sydney, Australia. And I can't believe it's been 10 years already. Some of the stories that I have, I think, have faded away, but... Other events and memories, I think, will stick with me forever. And this is one of them. We got called through the police radio to go and address a man who had apparently some stolen property with him. And so we thought that was a pretty routine sort of job. And we drove up, and there he was. And I got out with my partner. We, we walked along toward him. And as I got toward him, I, I realized there was something a little bit different about this man, something I hadn't really seen before, and it was confusing to me. But all of his, his, his nose and his mouth and, and his chin and face right in this area, it, it, was, it was silver, the color silver. And I thought, this is odd. I was a bit naive. I, I was pretty new on the job. And so I turned to my partner as we approached him and said, well, what's, what's the deal with the silver? And uh, pretty bluntly, uh, which is the MO of police, by the way, he said, well, he's a paint huffer. I thought, oh, what's a, a paint huffer? Okay. And it turns out what he would do would be to spray, you know, spray paint into a bag, this time silver spray paint, and <gasps> breathe it in uh, in order to get some sort of high off it. And you can imagine how bad that would be for your body, right? And so the result, silver face. And so we arrested him and, uh, for other things and, uh, and ended up getting him back to the station. And I got to talking to my partner about him and said, hey, so what's his deal? What's the story? Do you know it? My partner said, actually, he's, he's got an interesting story. He used to be a multimillionaire. He used to work in the stock market. He had a high-up brokerage uh, a firm. He owned it. And, uh, well, he made his millions and started dabbling in some drugs, some high-end drugs, and uh, soon, soon started wasting away. He started losing money. He got disjointed with his family. Uh, he lost his job. Eventually, he lost everything, and there he is on the streets, huffing spray paint. And I don't think that's the first time we've heard a story about someone we would consider very successful throwing away their life in the pursuit of trying to escape from reality. I think we can all think of a famous movie star, actor, actress, musician who has risen the ranks of fame in our world along with money, and influence, 
connections all over, yet for some reason wishes to escape that and throw it all away in the pursuit of drugs or alcohol or some other such thing. In this world, there are a lot of things that try and take control of our hearts. In Proverbs 16.9, it says, In a man's heart, there his course will lay. So when it comes to the matters of our heart, we need to be diligent. And it's a big, dirty lie that we often think all of our problems will magically disappear if only we had money, if only we had fame, if only we had popularity, if only we had the right connections. Because the truth of the matter is, life will never be built on how smart or savvy you are, on how many connections you have made, on how powerful you might seem. Your life can only be built and sustained by what you have in your heart or what your heart is all about. And if the heart is planted in foolish things, then your life will really never hold true value. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. When it rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I've spoken to you about this previously, but... I'm a a builder. I like to build things. And I'm also a maximizer at the core of who I am. And so I love to see see things going from being not so good to being just extravagant. And so when we bought a house our very first time a year and a half ago or so, uh, I saw lots of projects to have. The projects haven't stopped. (laughs) It's almost a curse to maximize everything. And so I saw the potential of something magnificent in our backyard where we used to have this old, rickety, small wooden deck. I've told the story before of how I rejuvenated, I ripped the whole thing off and put a whole brand new deck on and built it. But here's the thing, this is the biggest reality check for any enthusiastic builder. The first thing you need to do is dig a hole every time. Because what I was given wasn't appropriate for building on. Otherwise, it would have shaken apart. The slope that I had in my, have in my backyard drops from four feet of height to 12 feet of height. It's this big sloping ditch. And I just couldn't have put a deck on it and think, well, it's going to hold. I had to get sweaty. I had to start digging. Anyone who's ever dug a hole, you know it's not easy. I had to dig something like eight of them. Hours And hours and hours of sweaty, hard, but very necessary labor in order to build something that was solid. And here's what I feel like God is telling you about that today. We are faced with a reality check of our own very reality. 
every single day, aren't we? Of our own circumstances, of what we've been given to deal with, of our environment. Maybe it's a broken family. Maybe it's financial circumstances that are not the best. Maybe it's some mistakes that we've made in the past to lead to a point that we are today. Maybe it's our health. Okay, we can't help that. But I believe today God is saying, you have the power to change your environment. With the help of God, you have the power to completely rejuvenate your circumstance, to completely change and build upon the life that you currently have now. Whether that's you deciding to break the mold of current culture or difficult circumstances or family history. Now for me, I grew up with a loving family and everything seemed just peachy. Not many of you know about my family history, but I want to share a little bit with you today. At this very point in time, I would not say that my dad is an active part in our lives. At the age of 18, my dad made some terrible decisions and ended up getting kicked out of the house. And so since that point, I've tried to be in contact and, and he's just not interested. And so from 18 years old, I, I didn't have a dad And I, for many years, grew up thinking, because of some quotes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, like father, like son, that I would make the same mistakes that he would make. That I would mess up my family how he messed up my family. But I came to learn that you are your father's son, but you're not your father's decisions. I chose to believe that I could change the environment that had been forced upon me and that I could make a new family tradition, that I could start over and that I wouldn't be the decisions that my dad made. In the book of Chronicles, we read about a king who figured out how to break the mold of those who went before him and to change his environment. In, uh, in Chronicles, it, it reads, Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom. For the Lord, his God, was with him and made, every, uh, made him very powerful. Solomon called together all the leaders of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the judges, and all of the political and clan leaders. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? And I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, you showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O oh Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust in the earth. Give me the wisdom and knowledge to, get, to lead them properly. 
for who could possibly govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you didn't ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, I will certainly give you wisdom and knowledge as you requested. But I'll also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or no other king will have in the future. And Solomon returned to Jerusalem from the tabernacle, the place of worship in Gibeah, and he reigned over Israel. People came from all over the world to listen to Solomon's wise teaching. And that tradition has remained. Anytime we open God's word and read from the Proverbs, we read about the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. Solomon had every possible resource at his fingertips, yet he chose to align his heart with God's heart. And he changed the world forever. In other words, when you decide to align your heart with him and with the plans that he has for you, you can make a significant difference. I think it's important to understand that when it comes to building a godly life, it doesn't start at a certain age. It doesn't start with, well, when you finally have some certain wisdom or when you finally have some sort of uh, finance to back you up and your vision and your hopes for, for your life or when you finally have a new job or when you have a new family. I don't know what it is for you. It's, it all starts with aligning your heart with God's heart. So there are three building bricks that uh, I believe will help us all when it, when it comes to aligning our heart with God's heart as we build our houses together. You know, some people choose to, to build their lives with worry or depression or irritability or fear. or just defeat, or mistrust. And they wonder when a problem comes along, why their whole life fell apart. On more than one occasion, I've, uh, I've been called overly optimistic. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I remember when I came to the realization that I was optimistic or everyone else just wasn't when I was sitting in a planning creative meeting years ago and for some sort of event I was a part of. And I realized very quickly that I was in a room full of ideas, snuffers. Yeah, they just wanted to snuff out my creative ideas. One after the other, I would come out with an idea. We can't do that. That's not possible. There's no way we can fund an idea like that. I thought to myself, why am I even here? This is why I love creative meetings with Anne Roth, our head pastor, because she doesn't allow idea snuffing in creative meetings. She will, if you try and snuff an idea in a creative meeting with Anne Roth, she will literally throw a ball at you. <laughs> why? Because everything's possible with Anne Roth. <laughs> 
you've ever been part of that meeting like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think optimism today is regarded as kind of flaky or unrealistic or head in the clouds type of behavior. But I like to think of optimism as just another word for hope. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Have you ever noticed that people uh, who are optimistic are often joyful and peaceful people? Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. For the past several months, I've been planning summer camp for our students And uh, I had the privilege to be able to direct this high school camp coming out. Lots of working pieces, though. I love that I get to do that for your kids. And, you know, out of the 30 or so men that I asked to come to camp as a cabin leader, only one said yes. Now, camp is in two weeks. And and I, I still need another two male leaders. And this causes some certain measure of uncertainty, I suppose, in my life. I suppose some might say concern. But I've maintained confident hope that God will bring someone for that. And it's my constant hope that not just a few of us, but all of us would in some way decide to mentor the generation below us, the younger generation. I think that it's not just for a few. It's not just for the people that you think, well, they would be good at it, but it's for you as well because we've all been given something that we can share to our younger generation. Whatever you think, you've been where they are. You've experienced probably what they're experiencing and they need you. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've noticed about when Jesus gives us direction. He always backs it up with hope. Every time. He'll give us direction or instruction, and then he'll give us hope that we need. Because we like to doubt things. (laughs) We need hope. So let me finish that. Go out and make disciples in all the nations, Jesus says. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. There's the instruction. And here's the hope, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I found that when God tells us to do something, he backs it up. He gives us hope, direction, hope. Here's another. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. There's the direction. And he will give you everything you need. There's the hope. For me, uh, before I was a pastor, the idea of making disciples wasn't a prayer that I was really willing to take on for my life. Why? Because, well, the idea of putting God in front of every single thing in my life and saying yes to God before I even knew what the opportunity was meant that I would probably get a little bit uncomfortable In my mind, when I thought about praying that prayer, God would take me out of my comfortable life and throw me in Africa with some sort of mud hut and a hungry wife. (laughs) That's what God does, right? 
But here's what I've found and here's what I've witnessed. When you commit your plans to God and you seize the opportunity that he puts before you, he'll be with you and he will give you everything you need. Brick number one, I talked about bricks. There are three bricks that I want to talk about today. Brick one, hope. God wants you to build your house with bricks of hope. As we do, we start aligning our heart with God's heart for us. When we build our life with hope in God, we live freely because He is the one who is taking care of us. Those problems that we just can't deal with ourselves, He's the one who's in control and He'll deal with it. There, um, there was a student that approached me on Wednesday night and uh, he really wanted to be at camp. And he said, Brad, I, I just don't have the money for it. I tried and I've tried to earn it. I've tried to ask for it. I've asked my parents and, and all we can come up with is this amount. And I'm just sure. Is, I know it's a big ask, but is there anything that you can do? And I said, well, you're not asking me, are you? You're asking God for it. And I think there is something God can do about it. And so we prayed and then I posted something on Facebook. And literally within 90 seconds, I get a text message from one of you saying, I'll help. And then for the next two or three, four hours, I got text after text after text after text saying, we can help. Tell us what we can do. How much do you need? We're in it. That's one way to make disciples. I went and told this student about it, and I still remember the look on his face because he didn't know what to say. He was so shocked because I don't think he knew how much you believed in him. I don't think he knew how much you loved him in order to give of what you had for him to experience God in a new way. Now he just needs a cabin leader. And here's the most important part for me. He'd already registered for camp. He was in. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew who was going to make it happen. And he put his hope in God. Not only that, he stepped out in faith, knowing that God would catch the rest. And I think we need to take his lead in that. I think we need to live with that level of faith. I think we need to take the step, even though we can't see the whole staircase, right? I think that we need to live in a way that's more faithful in God, saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know you. And I know you will never drop your child who's living for you and trying to chase after opportunities for you and trying to say yes to you in your name. I think we get frozen in fear too easily, trying to figure out the details. Sometimes we just need to take a step and let God do what he does best. Here's something that helps me, oddly enough, is thinking about my deathbed. It's not something I like to dwell on. I can imagine myself as quite old and slightly insane. 
Also wearing an adult diaper, most likely. I think to myself, there is no way that I'll be laying there thinking, I wish I had less opportunity. I wish I did less for the kingdom of God. I wish that I didn't mentor that student. I wish that I didn't step out in faith. There's no way. I'll be thinking about all the opportunities I missed. That I could have and I would have and I should have, but I didn't. And to be honest, I'm going to be spending a long time with God, apparently. I want some things that I can talk to about him we have in common. Otherwise, it's going to be a long, awkward silence up there. <laughs> it's faith that opens doors to endless opportunity. And as it, Here's a question for you. Do you trust in God? Do you believe that he has the best for you? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he's with you? That he sees you? That he will provide? Brick two is faith. God wants you to build your house with bricks of faith. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a student who would drive me just dead set crazy. Absolutely nuts. And this is why. Wait, first, I I need to tell you what it takes to set up a youth night as a youth pastor. Can you you just follow along with me here so that you can feel what I feel? (laughs) For a youth night to happen, it's hours and hours and hours of preparation. There's at least 15 hours of message preparation so that you can speak something that's comprehensible. There is uh, getting the right people in the right places, the, the right adult leaders that can come and, and speak life and hope and courage and faith into a young person's life, to be relatable to where they're at, to help them in their faith journey. Uh, it takes time in, to organize the worship team to make sure that the leader is ready to go and, and that everyone is in place there, the right songs are being played and Make sure the lighting system is ready, the sound system is ready to go. Make sure we have all the people that we need to run those things, that the games are ready, because there's always got to be games. The messier, the better. Then you've got to think about cleanup afterwards. There's all sorts of things that go into starting a youth service and and running one. And I never regret any of the hours that I've put in to run a youth service, because youth group changes lives. It really does. The fact that God changes lives through youth group. So here's, here's, what, here's, here's why she drove me nuts. After all of those things, finally being ready to receive the student, she would come straight from school, walk in. Brad, where's my food? Every single week. We have been trained to react to a lot of those circumstances with what irritability, haven't we? You don't believe me? Get in your car, get on the freeway and drive the speed limit in the fast lane. (laughs) Let's see what happens. It's cultural to be irritable. And so my first thought of a reaction was, how dare you? Do you know what I put in for this? 
the nerve. I'll give you food, but it's coming at you fast. (laughs) Do you know the work that I've put in for this? All of the hours, all of the people to come and love you and support you. And this is how you say thank you. What about thank you, Brad, for everything you've done? What about how was your day? How's your family? How are you feeling today? Got a fever? I don't know. <laughs> but instead of doing that, I, I just felt this real like just prompting from what, I, what has to be the Holy Spirit who said, just calm down, relax, and listen. So instead of getting on my high horse and disciplining you, I decide I'm just going to listen and I'm going to react differently. And so what I would do, I'd wait for her to come in. <laughs> okay, I've got a few minutes here. Prepare myself. <laughs> and when that question came, where's my food? I would respond this way. Oh, guess what? I've got the best food for you this week. You're going to love it. We have mini pizzas and I got it just for you. Come on, let me get you a plate. And I would get her a plate. I would sit down and we'd eat together. And in that time, I got to hear her story. There's something about food and patience that leads to people opening up. And she told me about her family. She told me about all sorts of abuse that she's endured. She told me about what's going on at school. She told me about all sorts of things that no one that age should ever have to deal with. And I realized the very last thing that she needed was discipline and someone else to get angry with her or be short-tempered with her. And that all she needed from me was a little bit of food and a whole lot of love. Sometimes we are quick to throw a brick when instead we need to take it as an opportunity to build one in our life. Brick three, love. God wants you to build your house with bricks of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Like King Solomon, I believe that God is asking you today, what do you want? What is the desire of your heart? And how can you align that with God's heart. What bricks do you need to spend less time throwing and more time building in your life? The wise man builds his house upon the rock. 
his steady, unswerving, extravagant home. Church life is built one brick at a time. Every decision, every attitude, every response is just an opportunity for you to build your house with steadfast faith, unswerving hope and extravagant love. And when your heart is aligned with God's heart, there is no amount of opposition, no amount of challenge, no amount of defeat, no amount of uncertainty, no amount of struggle or what feels like hopelessness, no amount of sickness or disease or families breaking up or children running off and doing their own thing. None of that can ever knock down your house because you've built it on faith, hope, and love. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we just take this moment in, in our lives to, to, Father, let you unveil some things. Lord, would you prompt us forward? Would you help us to seize the opportunities that you put before us, Lord, to, the opportunities to build in faith, hope, and love, Lord, would you, would you help us to be known for our love for people, of our acceptance of all cultures and nations and choices that people make? <laughs> no matter what they do, no matter how they live, no matter how they were raised, Lord, would you help us to love one another? And Lord, would you let us always be hopeful of what you have for our future? Would you let us stand on your word and be faith-filled, knowing that you have always got us, that you will never let us fall, and that you will always, always, always provide everything we need. Lord, we just put our lives in your hands. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.